today we are going to be um, <laughs> all over the place. Hopefully I won't be rambling, but we're going to just be, I've been praying about this weekend, and the Lord has led me this direction. So let's just start this way. There is a children's Sunday school teacher, and she was teaching her children from Luke chapter 18. And that's where Jesus tells this parable, that there were two men who went up to pray at the temple. One was a Pharisee, and one was a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, Father, I thank you, my God, that I'm not like other men. I'm not an adulterer, an evildoer, a thief. And I'm not like that tax collector over there. I tithe a tenth of all I receive, and I fast twice a week. But that tax collector stood far off. And as he prayed, he could, he could not even lift his head up to heaven. All he could do was beat his breast and pray, Father, have mercy on me, a sinner. That Sunday school teacher wanted to drive home the point to her children about that Pharisee. And she said, kids, it's just not right for that man to stand up and pray and say, I thank you, God, that I'm not like that man. So it comes to the end of the Sunday school class, and the teacher has all the children to pray a brief prayer. And one of the kids prayed this. We thank you, God, that we're not like that Pharisee. It is very, very difficult for us to not compare ourselves to others. That is one of the greatest reasons why people don't want to be a part of the church. It's because they look at the lives of some professed Christians and say, if that's what being a Christian's all about, no way. That's also a reason why some people in the church look at others who maybe aren't like them and compare themselves to those people and think more highly of themselves. It's a terrible problem for us to judge a person, to look at their heart and make an assessment about who they are. That Pharisee had no idea about that tax collector. All he saw was that he was a tax collector. And in their society, that was a lowly, lowly profession. That meant you sold everything out to the Roman Empire. You were a traitor. You hated Israel. You were a thief. And that righteous Pharisee, self-righteous Pharisee, could not help himself but to thank God he wasn't like that man. I believe that parable in Luke 18 gives us a grid by which we can rightly interpret my favorite story, I believe, found in the Bible, which is found in Luke chapter 15. 
And you can turn there, but I just want to read. I want to tell you this story. It's a familiar story to most all of us, I'm sure. But this story, we should interpret this story through the grid, through the lens of those two men I talked about in Luke 18, the Pharisee and the tax collector. Luke's gospel tells us that, that there were tax collectors and other sinners who were gathered around Jesus. But the Pharisees and those teachers of the law muttered to themselves, this man welcomes and eats with sinners. So Jesus tells them a parable about a lost sheep, then about a lost coin, and then Jesus told them this story. There was a man who had two sons. The younger son came to his father and said, Father, give me my share of the estate. The father divided his property between his oldest and youngest son and gave him his share. A few days later, that younger son took his possessions and left from there and went to a distant country and there he squandered all his wealth on wild living. But there arose a famine in that distant country and that younger son began to be in need. So he hired himself out to one of the men of that country and that man sent that younger son into the fields to feed the pigs. That younger son was so hungry that he longed to fill his stomach with the very pods of food that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. But then he came to his senses. He said, my father's hired men, my father's servants eat better than this. This is what I'm going to do. I will arise and go back to my father and I'll say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And so he got up from that field and he returned back home to his father. Now, while his son was a long way off, the father saw him. And filled with compassion, he ran to him. And when he got close to his son, his son said, Father, I've sinned against heaven. I've sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father ignored him and said, Quick, quick, bring out the best robe. Put it on him. Grab some sandals. Put him on his feet. Grab a ring. Put it on his hand. Kill the fattened calf. Let's have a party and let's celebrate because my son was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he is alive and they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older brother was out in the field and he heard the commotion going on there at his father's house. And so he came near and he asked one of the servants, what's going on? 
that servant said, Your brother has come back. And your father's killed the fattened calf for him because he's returned home safe and sound. And the older brother became very angry and refused to go into the party. His father came out and began to plead with him. But the older brother said, Look, all these years I've slaved for you, always obeying you, and not even once did you even kill a young goat for me and my friends to celebrate. But this son of yours goes and squanders all your wealth on prostitutes, and you kill the fattened calf for him. The father said, My son, you're always here with me. All that I have is yours. But don't you see, we had to celebrate because your brother was dead and now he's alive. He was lost and now he's found. The Word of God, Luke 15, 1 and 2, verses 11 through 32. And because he was and is a master storyteller, Jesus did not tell us the end of the story. He left us hanging off the cliff, wondering what happened to the older brother. Did he go into the party? Did he stay out in the field? Did he reconcile with his brother? Questions that we'll never know until he gets to heaven. But even then... When we ask Jesus, he'll say, it's a parable. It's a story that I made up to illustrate the truth. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to think about that parable together. There's really one verse that I want us to focus on this morning. And it's from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6. Isaiah 53, verse 6. And I want to begin by looking at the first part of that verse, and then I want to conclude the message by looking at the last part of that verse. Because Isaiah 53, verse 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his or her own way. You see, in the parable of the two sons, both the younger son and the older son had gone astray. Each had turned to his own way. And I believe what we find in this world of ours is a great mixture. A mixture of those that have gone astray in such a way like this prodigal in the story. They're far from God and they know it and they're seeking satisfaction through all that the world can offer. But there are also those who are far from God as well. Though they might find themselves in church every Sunday morning. Just like the older brother who was always there by his father's side. Always obeying what his father told him to do. There are those that have each gone to his or her own way. That are bound up in self-righteousness. It's really easy to point fingers at the self-righteous. It's really easy 
to point fingers at people that clearly have gone astray and are far from God. What's harder is to turn that finger around and point at yourself and say, God, where am I? God, who am I? Where do I stand? Because all of us, listen, even the younger son who ran away from home, spent all his inheritance, knew he was in the wrong, his father could have physically taken him off the property and banished him forever. What he asked of his father was basically this, Dad, I wish you were dead. Give me my stuff. That's bad enough in our society. But in the ancient Near Eastern culture, a patriarchal society, the father could have physically beat him to death and been justified. You did not do that to your father, your authority. But the father graciously gives him and lets him go. But even when he's at the very bottom of his life, he wants to go back home. And what does he want to do? He wants to pay it back to his father. He wants to say, um, Father, make me like one of your servants. I've messed up. I've blown it. God, Father, I, I just need you to just let me be like one of your hired men. But the father would have nothing to do with that. The father ignores his request. The father says, my son's back. Because when you're a child of God... When he is your father, you are his son, and you are his daughter, and nothing can stop that relationship. In fact, Romans chapter 8 says that nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is found in Christ Jesus our Lord. So each of those men had gone his own way and were far from God. And today maybe we have some where you, you know you're running from God. Last week we talked about running from God, didn't we? And, and you know maybe your whole life you've spent like that prodigal and you can identify with him. But as the many years I heard this story, I always wondered, God, who am I in this story? Who am I in this story? I always heard it preached that, you know, the, the prodigal came back to God and the father forgave him and he welcomed him and, and the older brother didn't want him to come back and I thought, I'm not like that older brother. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with somebody coming to know Jesus if they've had the roughest life of all. Praise God. And I, I never could find out which, which of these two guys I was until I heard a sermon almost 10 years ago. And that sermon nailed me to the wall because that sermon by Tim Keller revealed to me that in subtle ways, I had become like that older brother. You see, the older brother were like the older brother if we believe that when God gives us something, then, then he, owes, he owes it to us. That whatever God gives us, that he owes us. We know we're like the older brother when we believe when we don't get what we think we deserve, we become angry. And we can know we're like the older brother because we obey God just to get things from God. And I was called to ministry, and I was waiting for my first pastorate, and I was ready to, uh, 
light things up in the pulpit and be a, a head pastor. I, was, I loved to preach. I loved to lead God's people. I was so ready, but I wasn't ready. And God knew I wasn't ready. And God took me on a journey of brokenness and rejection and church after church closing the door until finally this one church, I thought, surely this is the church that I call this young preacher boy. I went so far down the process with them, and they said, nope, you're too young, won't be able to lead our staff, we're going to look somewhere else. And the guy they hired after me was younger than I was. So, um, <clears throat> but I did not need that church job. Because God had to do a work in my heart. And God, at that time of my life, God gave me that sermon from Tim Keller. And I realized I was performing and doing Christianity in such a way that I felt like God owed it to me to give me what I wanted. And I knew I was like the older brother because I had so much anger in my heart. And that church didn't call me to be their pastor. What kind of church needs a pastor who's got an anger problem, right? My heart was not right. And God had to do some heart surgery on me in that moment when I realized that I'm like the older brother. I think, honestly, we've got both of those brothers in us. We're all guilty of self-righteousness, just like that little kid at the beginning that was praying in Sunday school. God, I think I'm not like that Pharisee. Well, he's being self-righteous. He's judging the Pharisee. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray in some way. We've all done things that we know are wrong. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church. I believe his story might resonate with some of you. John Wesley was born in a Christian family. He was one of 19 children, born in 1703. John Benjamin Wesley, reared in the things of God. When he went off to college in Oxford, he and his brother Charles, who's written some of the greatest songs ever been written, he and Charles met a guy named George Whitfield, and they were so holy, so righteous, so devoted to God, that they were called the Holy Club. They met together to pray, read the Bible, read religious books, and go visit the sick and those in prison. And when the time came for John to go to a new British colony called Georgia to evangelize the Indians, John said, I'll go. John gets to Georgia, things begin to fall apart. He falls in love with a girl named Sophie Hopke. But he couldn't decide whether or not he should seek to marry her, so he used an Old Testament principle and he cast lots. Well, the lots didn't fall correctly for him to propose to Sophie, and so he broke off the relationship. But in that day and time, he had, he had hurt her name. He had slandered her name by doing so. And he found himself in prison in Savannah, Georgia. And somehow, by the grace of God, he gets out of prison. He gets back on a boat, total failure, to go back to home, England. And along the way, a terrible storm arose, and he feared for his life. But he saw this group of Moravians. That's modern-day Czech Republic, by the way. These Moravian Christians were rejoicing and praising God and seemed to have so much calmness and peace. And this is what John Wesley wrote. 
in his journal. I went to America to convert the Indians, but oh, who shall convert me? Who, what is he that will deliver me from this evil heart of unbelief? I have a fair summer religion. I can talk well, and I can believe myself while no danger is near, but let death look me in the face, and my spirit is troubled, nor can I say to die is gain. He got back to England, and there he found more Moravians, and they invited him to a little church on Aldergate Street there in London for a worship service, and he agreed to go. And a man stood up and was reading the preface to Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. He wasn't even reading the scriptures. He's reading a man's commentary on the book of Romans. This is what Wesley said happened. About a quarter before nine, he writes, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. John Wesley had been brought up in a godly home. He was educated in the finest schools the world had. He was ordained as a deacon and priest in the Church of England. He'd even served years on the mission field. But there is no evidence that John Wesley was anything other than a religious man of discipline, devotion, earnest service, and good works. But all of that had left him totally miserable with no assurance of salvation. Wesley said before his conversion, he had the faith of a servant. But after he was born again, he said he had the faith of a son. Do you have the faith of a servant? Or do you have the faith of a son or daughter of God? This morning, no matter what you have done, where you have been, who you have hurt, who has hurt you, there is grace extended by the gracious love of God. But how could God... How could God be a good God and forgive us of our sins when we are so sinful? What could take place to allow a God to be a just God and a good God to just wipe away our sins? Who paid the price for that? Someone had to pay the price. We commit a crime, we pay the fine. That's how the world is governed. How might we be forgiven by God? Isaiah 53 verse 6 says all we like sheep have gone astray each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all the Bible says in Luke 23 that they came to a place called the skull and there they crucified Jesus and the criminals one on each of his side the right and on the left and Jesus there on the cross prayed, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And the people stood by watching, but those religious rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he's the Christ of God, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there above him on the cross was a sign that said, This is the king of the Jews. One of those criminals who was being crucified beside him railed at Jesus saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other 
thief rebuked him. That man said, Do you not fear God? Since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we're receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus on the cross turned to him and said, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. The only way that we might enter in to this saving relationship with God is through Jesus Christ. That the punishment that belonged to you and me was placed upon Jesus on the cross. That Jesus became sinner. He became sinful. It was not his sin. He was innocent, but Jesus became sin for you and me that we might be made right with God. And as the worship team comes back up to sing our final song, Here's my charge. We've got to build our life on the love of God in Jesus Christ. It was the love of the Father that was there for both of His sons, both His older son, who was so self-righteous, who had used his father just as badly as his younger brother had used him. All those years he'd worked to get what he could get from his dad. And that father loved him, and that father loved his younger son, who was the prodigal son who, who wasted all the money and lived it up. The father's heart of love was there for both his sons, and the father's heart of love is there for you no matter who you are, what you've done, where you've been. So this invitation is for you to come.